So, tell me what you want. What you really, really want. And I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. Dear listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of the New Albion Radio Hour. Our ratings are increasing steadily, and I am delighted to welcome you to our dear program. I've been reading about ways to attract and keep listeners, and some rather reputable sources have suggested positive affirmations. Apparently, people like that sort of thing. The cold, hard truth about how sad they and their lives really are is apparently just too depressing for them, and so they really respond to these idiotic lies that stroke their fragile egos. So I can certainly help to boost their spirits in these tough times, as if they know what having it tough is really like. But not you, dear listener. Of course, with you... It's different. But if you're feeling down or rightly questioning your objectively paltry self-worth, allow me to offer some daily affirmations. Affirmation 1. You are unique and special. (laughs) There is no one else quite like you. Is this really the kind of thing that book was talking about? Tell them this? Oh my god, okay. Um, You are unique and special. There is no two people just like you. What if they're twins? Then there's literally someone else just like them. For that matter, I could say this exact same thing about festering sores. I have never had two festering sores that were exactly the same. Everyone is unique in its own pussy way. What? No, no, what do you mean everyone hates festering sores? No, that's not true. Not everyone hates festering sores. There are entire cultures of bacteria that live and die and breed within a good sore. Generations of bacteria that are grateful for the chance to live and reproduce that this sore offers them. This is you, dear listener. Life-giving. I'm sure there are bacteria living in you right now that are far more grateful for your existence than any of your so-called friends. Oh, and don't even get me started on your horror show of a family. No, forget those dumpster fires walking around pretending to be human beings. No, they don't appreciate you like the bacteria within you do. The bacteria depends upon you for their very existence. If they were capable of love, they would love you. Though it's true you may not be loved, there are things within you that would love you if they were actually capable of love. Ah, see? Remember that the next time you need a good pick-me-up. Ah, this 
positive affirmation stuff is easier than I thought. Okay, what's another one? Ah, yes, okay. Being positive is possible. <laughs> so is winning the lottery. Or finding a job that you don't despise that doesn't slowly suck the will to live out of you day in and day out, but good luck actually making that happen. <laughs> right. But yes, it is possible. I mean, possible, not impossible. It is possible. Anything is possible. Okay, let's not get ridiculous. Anything is not possible. Most things are definitely not possible, and for that matter, most things aren't even probable. Okay, but this is about what's possible. Okay, so you should know that being positive is possible. Don't come to me to show you how. I mean, right. Uh, I see how this can be tricky. Okay, let's try one more. Oh, what else is on this stupid list? I cannot fail. I can only progress. <laughs> oh, please let me sell you a bridge. <laughs> okay, better choose another one. I will work to provide other people with value and encouragement. Don't fuck that pile of steaming horseshit. I will work to provide other people with my fucking back, motherfuckers. They can all suck on my wooden piece of nuts. Other dipshits should be fucking glad I don't rip out their bullshit piece of throats and down their worthless necks and then fuck their festering corpses. God mother bastard ah, whoops okay well yes I I see now where we need some work uh, still a good effort we'll try again next time today's episode is brought to you by TJ Birds Emporium if you need a bird who needs a bird I mean I can see some emotional simp needing a dog to give them some desperate bond, some grasp of love to keep their whore at the loneliness and meaninglessness of life from sucking them into a vacuum of mental darkness they'll never escape from and until that final, and by that time, welcome embrace of death. I mean, that, that at least makes some form of sense. Or even a cat. I, I prefer cats personally. So much less trouble. Although my boyfriend, oh, my ex-boyfriend, uh, I'll never love another. Let's let's be honest. But but anyway, he he's a dog person. In fact, he's he's like a giant dog, a giant, big, fluffy, shaggy doggo who just comes bounding up to you and licks you while you beg him to stop. But it makes you giggle and smile and. And you love him for it. Anyway, who needs a bird? Oh, right. Messenger pigeons. Yes, that is a good idea. All right, other than messenger birds, what about those heterosexual foot-worshipping perverts? Do they have some deviant fetish involving birds? 
I'm sure they do. They have a fetish for everything. Just like my boyfriend. Only when he does it, it's cute. Because... Birds, right. Birds. Birds are there. They tweet. Hmm. Tweeting in the morning. To break up the empty monotony of the day. I can see that. Maybe. Maybe I will get a bird. I'll get a little tweeter. I'll name him David. He can sing me pretty songs while I sit here. Hmm. Well, you should get a bird after all. And TJ Birds Emporium, run by TJ, the CEO of Birds Emporium, is your go-to person. I'm going to go to them myself. Birds. Who thought they'd be worth consideration? And so, without further ado, The Origin of the August Sky Playhouse, Part 2. Asha, Jill, and Michael arrived in a dark stone hallway. Several paces down was a door, and behind the door was an office, of all things, utterly cluttered with paper books, bookcases, and filing cabinets. It was in a state of massive disarray. The trio looked about, looked at each other, shrugged, and then tentatively started looking about to see if any papers looked interesting. A few minutes into it, Asha looked up to see an eight-year-old boy standing at the doorway staring at them. Oh, she said startled. Um, hey there, little guy. What's, what's your name? What are you doing here? He didn't answer. He just stood and stared at them. Jill and Michael tried to keep rummaging, but felt a little self-conscious. Finally, a middle-aged woman with deep copper skin appeared. Um, excuse me, she said. What exactly are you doing here? The three of them all stammered and attempted a barrage of contradictory and lame excuses at the same time. She waved them into silence. You're obviously new here, so I should say, welcome to the Decadent Abbey. It's nice to have you. Unfortunately, I'm going to just have to break it to you up front. Coming here is a one-way ticket. Once you arrive, there is no way to leave. Doors only work one way here. But don't worry, you can have very interesting, fulfilling lives. There's a number of other oddities here we'll need to fill you in on, but first, you'll need to go through the whole five stages of grief, so let's just move right on into denial. No, shouted Michael. We can't be trapped here. There's no way. We have to save the universe from the evil gnomes. We've gone through this whole thing to get here just to end up trapped. There's no way. He ran out of the room. Yasva and the girls followed him. Yasva continued talking. Yes, it's a tough break. Sorry, I don't mean to be so dismissive, but you'll see. When you go through this literally every time, it gets a bit redundant. He's going to bang his face trying to get back through whatever doorway you used to get here. What was it? The ruins of the cathedral at Konex? Ah, that seems to be a pretty popular one lately. They move around, though. Michael ran to the spot where they had arrived, took a deep breath, and stepped forward. 
he ended up back in the sanctum. General Barlissius looked up at him. Well, that was fast. Uh, Never mind, said Michael, and he stepped back through into the abbey. He appeared on the other side to Yashva, who was staring slack-jawed at him. How in the blazing dawn did you... She stepped right where Michael had stepped and banged her face into the wall. Ow! What's going on here? Who are you? The gang all tried to talk at once. Okay, okay, okay. Hang on. Okay, this situation calls for tea. We grow some massively great tea here. First, can you all cross back? One by one, Jill and Asha attempted successfully to walk back through to the ziggurat. Yashva herself gave it one more go, more carefully this time, but unlike the gang, was unsuccessful. Okay, so this is literally impossible. Pardon the stutter. We're all losing our minds here. We're going to sit down and have some tea. She led them to a lovely sitting area surrounded by bookshelves with old carpets and candles. The tea was, in fact, magnificent. They had to stop Jill from wandering off, distracted by interesting rooms and corridors, as she was still wasted. Yashva didn't blink an eye. Half the people here are on drugs. We have an entire wing for the real far-gone addicts, she explained. They all sat down, and Asha, Michael, and Jill all told their collective story to Yashva. As they did, several other Abbey residents wandered in, sat down, and joined the intimate audience. When they finished, everyone looked at Yashva and waited for her response. Well, hell's f- f- flaming labia, she said at last. This is incredibly interesting. She grabbed a pen and paper and jotted down a list, which she handed to one of the residents listening and instructed them to go and retrieve the items listed. Then she turned back to the trio. Okay, first of all, let me just say... I'm not sure that anything I'm about to say is correct. Almost everything is conjecture, and if you had any sense, you would be skeptical of my conclusions. I have no real experience with any of this, but we are part of an order that tries to study stuff like this, so I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think that you three may be transcendents. I'm not sure. None of us have ever met any. You're very rare. And the only confirmed other transcendents are all currently shut into this crossroads place, the one you mentioned. I'll get to that in a second. If you are transcendents, then you should be able to world hop without going to the second level. What second level, Asha asked? The metaverse? Yashna nodded. The metaverse is a seven-layered thing. All the worlds we experience, they're all third layer. That big outer space place you guys all go to is second layer. But you don't need to go there. If you're transcendent, you can just, I don't know, world hop directly. Groovy, said Jill. How? asked Michael. I don't know, answered Yashva. We've never met a transcendent. We have a couple pages of the Grimoire of William, which Jorgen, I told Jorgen to bring. So we've got, like, superpowers, said Jill. That is so awesome. You know, 
I can make screaming demon farts. It's like it's like the best thing I ever came up with. But like it's witchcraft, not superpowers. How do I find out my superpowers? Do we like do we all have different powers like a super team? I read this book a few strands ago. This girl could water bend, but I really want to water bend. I, I tried to make some water bending spells, but like all I could come up with is how to make water into ice slightly faster than normal, but not like instantly, because it's only really cool if it's instant. I, I want to like, you know, shoot ice out my hands or like make water fly out and then ice up as it goes, but I can't figure out how to do it unless it's a superpower, which would be so awesome, but so would teleport. Oh, that's a cool power, too. There's a lot of cool powers. I wonder what mine is. Asha and Michael gave Yasva a subtle, please bear with us, facial expression. But Yasva waved it off. Once again, we don't know much. The theory, for what it's worth, is that transcendents do not have individual powers. It's like, she thought a second, it's like a person can, can use language or learn to ride a horse or build a machine or make origami. You're not born knowing how to do it, but the capacity exists within a person to do it. And some people are more talented at certain skills than others, but all people have a, a general capacity for some range of abilities. So, transcendence can world hop. We know that. There's some kind of acting skill, role Playing, she paused. The eight-year-old boy standing behind her started moving his hands as if they were talking to each other like puppets. Yasfa turned around to look at him. Do you see him? Do you see a boy there? I think he might be a ghost, but I'm not sure. I knew a ghost, said Jill. A ghost boy that couldn't die. I mean, he was dead because he was like a ghost, but like he, you know, couldn't move on. But then we moved him on and he's like, he'll go on to be someone else. But, but this isn't him. This is like another boy. Okay, said Yasfa. Uh, uh, so character types, something like that. The power of character types. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting lost. I'm lost all the time, said Jill. Not all who wander are lost, but sometimes they are. Amazing grace. Michael facepalmed while Asha giggled. Wow, do you guys fit in around here, said Yashva. Jorgen returned with a pile of papers and books. Yashva closed her eyes and tried to concentrate. I lost my thought. I, I can't... Ah. We all go insane here, but slowly. She sat holding a fist to her forehead. Asha and Michael exchanged a glance. Asha put a hand on Yashva's shoulder. We need help with the huge invasion of little gnomes who are coming to take over the worlds. They're really bad, and if we have any kind of abilities, we don't actually know what they are. So can we find any other transcendents? If we're transcendents, can we find someone to teach us? Yashva opened her eyes. Right. Okay, thanks. Um, no, I don't know how to teach you. I don't know anything about what being a transcendent entails. There's William. He probably knows the most, but he's unreachable. We've got a few pages of his grimoire. We've got a few pages too, said Michael. Not much, though. No, that's good. We'll put them together and see what we can glean from them. 
They handed Yashva two pages, and she put it together with three other pages. They read it, but in the end, it really was scant information. Okay, well, there are still two other options. One is the Crossroads people. They exist and are basically confirmed transcendents. It's just that no one knows where they are. They built some kind of pocket dimension for themselves, but it's really kooky. We saw a paper, said Michael, calling for people to join them in a magic land before the doors closed. We don't know where that is, do you? No, said Yashva. She sorted through the papers Jorgen had brought and pulled out a flyer. Is this it? Yes, yeah, said Michael. That's like the one we saw. How recent is it? Well, that's where things get weird, said Yashva. We found little traces of their crossroads that go back... Well... It's like it goes back to the beginning of time, or extends into the indefinite future. We think they did something involving time, and it's all screwy. It's like they exist in an infinite time period that makes no sense in third-level logic. Third-level multiverse, said Asha. Right. So, our world here makes a certain practical sense with logical rules, we call this the third level, and if we were to move to second or fourth level, those rules bend a bit, like how you guys can leave strands and pop back in, and it sort of bends reality logic a bit, but only so much. Well, if you were operating in level five or six, things would really get nuts. The rules there become wildly chaotic, or so it would seem to us. Space, time especially, might seem completely fluid, as might a sense of definitive existence, or... She shook her head. Once again, I don't really know these things. We try very hard to study the multiverse, but it's difficult. So the Crossroad people, they did something with time, and now it's like they exist in all times, but separate? I don't know, but they screwed with time somehow in a big way. The paper we picked up at the Watchtower claimed they had made a land that would exist outside of the effects of time, said Asha. Well, there you go, said Yashva. They obviously did, and maybe they're happy there in their pocket dimension. I wonder, however, if they actually thought through the full repercussions of their actions. She shook their head. No, of course they did. They're no doubt far wiser than I am. So, said Michael, we don't have a clue when they existed out here? Ah, we do, said Yashva. The materials they left behind, those are datable, and they date to a couple centuries ago. They're the last one or two generations of transcendence. We haven't heard of any others before them or now until we met you. I mean, except, of course, for William, and we're not sure if he predates or postdates them. We were kind of hoping if we ever met some transcendence, they would be able to teach us how it all works instead of, you know, the other way around. No offense. So how do we reach them, asked Asha. I don't know if you can. Wherever they are, they're, they're way past anything we can figure out, and we've tried really hard. So, 
other super team members are all lost. No crossroads people. No William. No one to defend against the little black gnomes. I mean, there's rat people, but they sent us to get help. And we didn't find help because everyone's off somewhere. And we don't know where. And you guys are all pretty good, but you can't even leave here, which is a real shame. Because you're all going crazy, which is also a shame. Although, we've got an old alcoholic warthog general who can help. But I don't think that's enough. Oh, which reminds me. How long... How long staying here until you start to lose your mind? Because I really, really think I might need a nap. I'm kind of starting to get really, really tired. And I could I could really use a little lie down, said Jill, but with more slurring. Detrimental effects don't begin for a few years. Months, maybe. Don't worry. You'll be fine. You are more than welcome to sleep here and recoup. Please, you are our esteemed guests. But hang on, because there's one last thing. We believe the Crossroads people made contact with someone right here in our time period. We believe there is one other transcendent. Very recent. We don't even think he's figured out how to world hop yet. He's just like you. I know it's hardly the cavalry you need, but one more is one more. Who asked Michael? A young man named Lloyd Allen. Some of our order on PR341S are keeping tabs on him. He's, um... He's apparently quite formidable. The method in which he was flowered was pretty brutal. And he, there was a death cult and he, um, well, now there isn't a death cult. It's just, I don't know how to get you there. You have to figure out how to world hop. You just do. The little boy, meanwhile, was dancing around behind them like a ballerina. Jill got up to join him. We could put you in contact with him through radio. It will mean our fellow order will have to approach him and compromise their anonymity, which could be dangerous. But in this case, I think well warranted. We just don't know how receptive he might be and with his experience with the death cult. But we'll try. Now, maybe we should uh, take your friend to bed before she knocks something over. The gang ate, slept, and spent the next three days combing over various books of interest Yashva had pulled together for them. Finally, they gathered around an old radio receiver. Yashva fiddled with the reception until she reached some nuns on a far-off world. She handed the mic over to Asha. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? This is Asha. Uh, 10-4? Over? Hello? Hello? Yes, I hear you. Good to meet you. Hello, my name is Lloyd Allen. It's a song, it's stupid, but we play them to you anyway. Without further ado... In the deep, dark hills of eastern Kentucky That's the place where I trace my bloodline And it's there that I read On a little hillside gravestone You'll never leave Harlan alive
Well, my granddad's dad walked down Catherine's Mountain And he asked Tilly Hilton to be his bride He said, won't you walk with me Out of the mouth of this here holler Or we'll never leave Harlan alive Where the sun comes up about ten in the morning and the sun goes down About three in the day and you fill your cup With whatever bitter brew you're drinking and you spend your life Just thinking how to get away No one ever knew there was coal in them mountains Till a man from the northeast arrived Waving hundred dollar bills He said, I'll pay you for your minerals But he never left Harlan alive well, Granny sold out cheap And they moved out west of Pineville to a farm where Big Richland River winds I bet they danced them a jig Laughed and sang a new song Who said we'll never leave Harlan alive But the times they got hard And tobacco wasn't selling And old granddad knew what he'd do to survive He went and dug for Harlan coal And set the money back to granny But he never left Harlan alive Where the sun comes up about ten in the morning and the sun goes down About three in the day and you fill your cup With whatever bitter brew you're drinking and you spend your life Just thinking how to get away In the deep dark hills of eastern Kentucky that's the place where I trace my bloodline And it's there that I read On a little hillside gravestone You will never leave Harlan alive